A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll start with a quick and dirty tip about the word subpoena. We'll have another quick and dirty tip about how to treat the word the in publication names, such as the New York Times and the Chicago Manual of Style. And we'll finish with a response to a familect story. This is a really short tip, but a few days ago I had trouble spelling the word subpoena. So I looked up the etymology and that helped. Subpoena comes from a combination of two medieval Latin words, sub and pina. Sub means under, and you probably could have guessed that. And pina means penalty. It's related to the word penal, like when you talk about a penal colony or the penal code. A subpoena is a legal document that says a person has to appear in court under penalty of failure. It says that if you don't appear in court, you're supposed to suffer penalties. Since the B is silent, but I vaguely knew the word had a B in it, I couldn't remember how to spell it. But now it's easy for me to remember that it starts with S-U-B, since I know it means under sub penalty. I hope that helps you too. Subpoena, S-U-B-P-O-E-N-A. Recently, readers wrote in to question why I capitalized the as part of the newspaper name in the sentence, yesterday I read the New York Times. For example, Jim T. wrote, quote, According to the Chicago Manual of Style 8.170, when newspapers and periodicals are mentioned in text, an initial the, even if part of the official title, is lowercased, unless it begins a sentence, unquote. Jim is right about Chicago, but how to treat articles such as the in publication names is a style choice. For example, although Chicago recommends lowercasing the word the in names of newspapers, journals, and magazines when you write them in a sentence, the New York Times Manual of Style and Usage and the Associated Press Style Book recommend using an uppercase the in the same situation. I use a house style that's a mix of Chicago and AP, and in this case I decided to use AP style and capitalize the word the. There's one exception that makes sense if you think about it, though. If you're using the publication name as a modifier, you can just omit the the. For example, the official name of the New York Times is The New York Times. So if you're following AP style and write something like, I had a book review in the New York Times, you capitalize the word the. But if you're writing something like, I'm a New York Times bestselling author, you leave out the word the from the name. It would sound weird to say, I'm a the New York Times bestselling author. Just leave it out. Even if the sounds normal, though, you leave it lowercase if the publication name is a modifier. For example, if you're writing, I emailed the New York Times reporter, keep the word the lowercase because New York Times is modifying the word reporter. 
I emailed the reporter. I emailed the happy reporter. I emailed the tall reporter. I emailed the New York Times reporter. The word the goes with reporter, not with New York Times. Also, it's important to note whether the publication you're writing about actually considers the to be part of the name. For example, as a copy editor with the handle JD pointed out on the Grammar Girl website, the official name of a newspaper in Britain is Daily Mail, even though when people refer to it, they usually call it the Daily Mail. He says it's so hard to keep the official names straight, he made a list of publication names, noting those that include the and those that don't, and that's a good idea. Also, when I'm not sure whether a publication name officially includes the word the, I usually look at the About Us page or the company press releases or SEC filings, any place they'd be sure to use the full official name. So that's your quick and dirty tip. Make sure you know what the recommendation is of the style guide you follow for capitalizing the word the in publication names. But no matter what style you follow, you can keep the word the lowercase when the publication name is modifying a noun, as in a New York Times reporter or the Chicago Manual of Style recommendation. Finally, if you aren't sure whether the official name includes the word the, check places where the publication would be likely to use the full official name. Finally today, I got an interesting response to Travis's recent Familect story about his son using the word lasterday to mean yesterday. The voicemail got cut off, so I couldn't use it, but Travis is in Florida, and a woman who called appears to be from Indiana, and she says her grandsons also say lasterday. I guess that because last and yest, the first part of yesterday, sound so much alike that it might be a somewhat common or at least not unheard of mistake that kids make when they're learning words. Thanks for the call. I have a lot of stories about kids mispronouncing and making up their own words, and they're cute, and I'll definitely run more of them. But I'm especially interested in words that have an unusual story behind them. So if you want to hear your family story on the show and you have a story like that, please leave a voicemail message at 83-321-4-GIRL. I'm Mignon Fogarty, Grammar Girl and author of the New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. And thanks to my audio producer, Nathan Sams. He's so patient with me. This show is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network. So check out some of our other shows like The Savvy Psychologist, The Mighty Mommy, Everyday Einstein, and more. That's all. Thanks for listening. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. 
You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.